Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you invest a few minutes of your time and we'll save you hours, weeks, days, months, even years by shortening your learning curve. Hence, we're cutting your learning curve here at the Cutting the Curve podcast. I've got a great topic for you today because I got two great guests that are going to chip in on this. We're talking about residue management through biologicals. You know, uh, you're reducing tillage, you're trying to reduce population of your seeding and to do all this and then still get bumper yields where you can make a lot of money. You've got all this stuff out there. We call it trash. You know, he's turn out the cows, let them go out there and eat this corn stalk, all this residue. Well, maybe you don't have cows. And also it's a different time, it's a different place. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to use some products like this product known as Residue RX from a company called Concept Agritech. I've got Daniel Hensley with us today. He is the director of agronomy at that company. I've got Kelly Garrett, Iowa farmer, who you might know from being on here, but also if you don't, because maybe this is the first time you're picking up and watching and listening to the Cutting the Curve podcast. Kelly, real quickly, tell us about your operation. Hello, Damian. Hello, Daniel. Uh, my dad and I farm in Western Iowa, about 70 miles northeast of Omaha. We uh, farm around 7,000 acres. We do have a 400 head cow herd and we're 100% no-till and we need to manage our residue. And that's what we're here to visit with Daniel about today. Daniel Hensley, tell us about the company Concept Agritech. Yeah, Concept Agritech, you know, is a fairly new company. We've been around approximately 12 years. You know, we, we specialize in soil and plant health, soil and plant fertility, you know, and, and to achieve that residue management is uh, one of the key things that we, we try to uh, focus on and address. Okay, so in a prior episode, we discussed uh, getting bigger yields and saving money because remember, it's not just about selling more stuff across the scale at the elevator. It's also about you can make money by reducing costs on things that you uh, are unnecessarily spending money on. Kelly Garrett's been very um, uh, progressive about cutting population, particularly in soybeans. So, you know, we used to say, let's throw more seeds out there. The more seeds you got, the more plants you got, the more yield you got. Well, we found out that's not true. So, you, you're, you started experimenting with this a few years ago. Tell us about reducing population because this is basically tool number two. The first thing you talked about was having the proper equipment and the proper practices right. to do that effectively. So talk a little bit about that as a recap, and then we're going to talk about using residue management through biologicals. So through the trials on my farm, I very much believe that the American farmer is overplanting their soybeans. It, to the degree that is actually a yield detriment. When I started on this path, I just wanted to see how low could I take my soybean population to save money on seed. And the difference, you know, $42 a bag seed, a guy's planting 150,000 seeds versus a guy planting 90, that's $18 an acre, which I thought that was worth it right there if I could just get down there. Now through the trials on my farm, 
I have found that the overplanting is a yield detriment. I'm very confident in making that statement uh, right here outside my shop, between my shop and my house. I've got a yield trial, 150,000, 120, 90, 60, all the way down to 34,000 population. And the reason it's 34 is because we couldn't get the planter to go any lower. And I would tell you when those beans came out of the ground, that 34,000 population looked pretty sick. And driving by on the highway, the 150 looked pretty impressive, which is what a lot of people do. They just check on the highway. But when you walked out there and you saw how close together those seeds were coming up, I had the thought very early on when those beans were about six inches tall, why would you ever plant 150,000? Look at those plants. This isn't going to turn out well. And now those plants are blooming. They're filled out. And you cannot tell where one population starts and the other, other stops. Did you ever think you'd look at 150,000 versus 34, and it's just one nice blanket of plants going across the field? It's giving me more and more confidence all the time. But to turn these populations lower, I've got to manage this residue so I can simulate those beans. I get good germination. I get a good even crop. Because when you're only planting, say, 70,000, and you have a couple of skips because you're not managing your residue, now we've got a problem, and that's another yield penalty. And that's why yes, we're here today. The, the experiment that you're doing there where you've got everything from 34,000 to 150,000, you're not even saying that you think they eventually are going to plant 34,000, but you might. But the one thing you can confidently say is 150,000 seeds per acre of soybeans planting is just way too much, right? Yes, I'm I'm 100% certain of that at this point. <clears throat> okay, so what we're talking about then is you want to put less seeds out there, you're going to save money on the cost of seed, and you're going to get a more thriving plant. But to yep. do that, you've got to make sure that that soybean, since we're doing less of them, it's, it's more critical that each one of them germinates, it thrives, right? Exactly. They've all, they, I need 90% of them, 95% of them to survive and germinate. All right. So part of the problem is you're going in after corn and there's a big bunch of plant corn stalks, big, huge plant, lots of residue trash, as we used to call it. Uh, you know, like I say, you don't turn the cows out if you don't have them and, and uh, clean that up. So one thing we can do then is, uh, is spray a product on there that degrades that and gets rid of it. And that's where this residue RX comes in. So Daniel, tell us a little bit about what the practice is. So before he goes in and no-tills in those soybeans into corn stalks, there's an application with your product. Kind of give us the whole timeline and the practice and procedure. Yeah, so so the product that we have is, it's very user-friendly for one, Damien. It's um, you know, it mixes well with most products. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, it's simply put out with, uh, with a spray rig. So um, what we'd like to do, timing is critical. And what I mean by that is, you know, like where Kelly is located, it's very important that he sprays this residue digester in the springtime. Um, a lot of people think that they have to get that residue digester or that, that residue management product out there in the fall. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not the case sometimes, especially if you're using a good biological source. Um, the reason I say that is because the biology simply can't work through the winter. So once it hits about 50 degrees, it starts to go dormant. So that's why it's important that Kelly gets this and, and other people, uh, especially in the north, gets that out there in the, in the spring. You said something, when it hits 50 degrees, when the soil temperature hits 50 degrees, when the ambient air temperature is 50 degrees, when the, the temperature of the rest is 50 degrees, what's 50 degrees? When the ambient air temperature is 50 degrees and those bacteria are still laying on top, yeah. 
So, so it'd be the ambient air temperature. If you spray it on that stover that's in the field, whether it be corn or beans or whatever it is, and it's, so Kelly's no-till, but let's say it's a farmer that turns that under, then it's gonna be when the soil temperature hits 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so <clears throat> the answer is he goes out there and harvests that corn in October, and yep. uh, there'd be the temptation to be like, well, if it's good to put this stuff on, let's give it more time to work to, to degrade this stuff. That way, when I come through here with my soybean rig in uh, April or May, it's, uh, it's all done. And you're saying it's absolutely the wrong thing to do. You wait until spring. That's correct. If you, if you spray that in the fall, you're simply gonna waste your money. ROI is a big deal. And, and we don't want you wasting your money. Now, does that mean that you're gonna have a full meltdown or breakdown of that stover when you go through there for the first year with your soybean planter? N- no, it doesn't. This is a process that you have to get started to manage your, your residue. Okay, so give me a little bit about the, the procedure. Kelly, you haven't been doing this forever. I mean, you started this win, and then tell us what you, what you do now or what you did this season. You know, we've, played around with these types of products there's many of them for the last year or two the reason that residue rx is so attractive to me is because i can spray it in the spring some of the competition wants you to spray it in the fall and the products they really do those products work okay the problem is i'm busy in the fall and if a guy's got his own sprayer well great but he, there's still an expense to running that sprayer, making that application. And you got to find the time to do it when you're trying to harvest, when you're trying to, to anhydrous, all those things, you know, your fall work. And, and then in my climate, all of a sudden, you know, we don't have to get very far into October when I'm maybe half done with harvest and, and the, the temperature is not 50 degrees. So then I can't use the products anymore. Now with residue RX mixes well with most chemistry. And so I can put it on with my pre in the spring saves that pass and it's ready to go. I mean, that's the time and the savings of that application, saving time, saving money. That's a big reason that residue RX is so attractive to me. Yeah. Okay. So you're not doing a single pass with it. Uh, like some products might make you exactly. do. And, and so you, you're, you were going to go out there and put down a pre-emergent herbicide treatment, uh, anyway, and you can yep. just put this right in there. So this is when, the, when it's first dry enough to get out there, maybe a month before planting. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Give or take, you know, I would say there's hidden profits and efficiency and using residue RX makes us a little bit more efficient. I prioritize those things every day. Yeah, well, you know, comes, uh, pennies, pennies, pennies make dollars. Okay, uh, and so if you can save pennies, here's the thing: How Daniel? Well, let's 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 get straight here. I get it. You know, this is where you work. These people pay you. How does this work in a month? Yeah. I've only got yeah. thirty days for this to happen. How is this really going to work? You're telling me that this product is this is this pixie dust? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Damien, and we we get asked that all the time, but. Um, Kind of what we've done is is we have hand-selected healthy, prolific bacteria, if you will, okay? So when we put that bacteria on that stover, it starts to work immediately. It's not a product that has to be, uh, it's not bacteria that has to wake up that might take 60 to 90 days. That's not what this is. When this when this hits the water, it, it starts to activate. It gets put on the stover. We're starting to see uh, things happen in the field within a couple weeks, you know. And in that month time, no, your stover's not gone. We're not saying that. We're saying that the product is established, the colony is growing, and, and it's starting to work. 
and you're going to see that work through the whole season. So it's it's a process. So so once Kelly gets it put out, let's say he puts it out, uh, he put it out this spring. Let's say put it out this March, mid March or whatever. Okay, and then he's got this year that it's working, and he's working all season long. Then next spring, when that's applied again, now you have a head start. Now we've started already breaking down the stover that was there from the previous year, and you have a colony formed. That colony will live in the soil. And then when you apply that for the next year, you already have a head start on it. So that's how you get ahead of your, of your stover problem with our product. Okay. So I, the reason, and there might be somebody listening to this, that's like tuning in and they're saying, why is this an issue? Why is it an issue, Kelly? Why you got to get rid of that residue? Just for the person, let's just pretend somebody just really wants to learn about this and doesn't know why do, why do we got to do that? In today's environment where we're raising higher yield corn, 240, 250 bushel corn, 300 bushel corn in my irrigated, uh, we're raising our fertility levels. The integrity of those corn stalks, GMO corn stalks, with the amount of potassium we're using today, things like that to raise our corn yields, that amount of stover is, it's a problem. It's something that has to be managed and it's hard for the, I don't care if the next crop is corn, beans or wheat, with the amount of residue, the amount of stover that's out there today, it can be a challenge to get that next crop up and running. It will slow you down and we need to do something to, to get rid of it. Because we got to get seed, we got to get seed to soil contact, no yeah. matter what you're planting next. The seed can't just be laying on top of some corn leaves, is what you're saying. Yeah, you, know, you know, you're I I've got spots. You know, you can't get down through that trash in one spot, and and the bean doesn't get down there into the good soil. No, it it doesn't. You know, Jason Sly told me he said if you have a bean planted an inch and a half deep, and you have a bean planted a half inch deep in six weeks, there will be a the, the bean that's planted appropriate will have twice the root mass. So imagine when you're dealing with all that, that mat of residue there, this is a, this is an issue that needs to dealt with. Say that again. The difference is if you, if you don't get it at the proper depth, you're saying an inch and a half being the proper depth. Inch so you, and, a half. And, and you're saying if you don't get it there because you've got too much trash, you got too much residue right. on the top of it and it just can't get down. The difference is what? The difference in six weeks between a one and a half inch planting depth and a half inch planting depth will be twice the root mass. Your root mass will double and a soybean doesn't have a great root system anyway. And when you're cutting it in half, you're, that plant just will not be there. So when we're talking about cutting our population down and then if we don't get it planted appropriately, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't just, in the old days, maybe you could plant improperly if you just put enough seed out there. Now we're talking about saving money on the seed, being more efficient with the utilization of seed purchases. And then the, the issue is every one of them has to be planted properly. And that's where this comes in. How much are we spending per acre on a residue RX spring treatment? Uh, to, it's about $14 about an acre. dollars an acre. And that's not counting yeah. the application. It's $14. It is not. That's, that's, that's just product. That's correct. That, there's something I'd like to speak of there, though. It is $14 an acre, but you're already making the pass. So residue RX, I will tell you, is a couple dollars more expensive than the competition, but you're not making that extra pass. And as he says, it works right away. And, you know, we don't ever want to go waste money, but with residue RX, I don't think that we are there's a return on investment here that will surpass the competition. And when you add in the application that you have to make for the other products, it is, it's still cheaper. Well, I think somebody told me that if you want to, in general terms, run a sprayer across an acre, it's going to be $657. Does that sound like it's an accurate number? 
Yes, seven, seven and a half dollars, I'd say. Okay, so seven to seven dollars or so. So you don't have to do that because this tank mixes with whatever else you're putting down. Um, a couple of things here about doing this. So we've, we've already established that there's, it's good to get rid of this. This bacteria is breaking down this stuff. Daniel just told me that I'm not going to look out there a day after you put it on and all of a sudden the stuff's melted. It's still going to be there. It's not going to, it ain't going to be like uh, Wizard of Oz when the witch gets uh, water thrown on her. Is that what I'm hearing here, Daniel? That's right. You like Wizard of Oz, Daniel? Did it creep you out? Them flying monkeys? Did it creep you out? Because it, it's, it's even as it, it creep. Why did they make little kids flying monkeys? Then it like what the hell? Witches and flying monkeys? I don't even watch that crap, Damien. That's that's not what I like, man. I think that the guy that wrote it might have been on some sort of hallucinogenic drugs. But okay. <laughs> Daniel, here's what I got going then. Um, I'm now figuring out why I want to do this. Uh, there's another thing that probably a lot of folks aren't thinking about, disease control. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that soil. A lot of it's good. Sometimes the soil also harbors things that are bad for our crops. Talk about oh, yeah. the product you have and, and using biologicals to degrade residue and how that helps mitigate disease. Yeah, so, so you know a lot of our a lot of our diseases that that uh, corn farmers well farmers period whether it's corn soybeans wheat uh, no matter the crop they they battle these diseases and these diseases are, are soil borne or or they overwinter in all of this stover that's there so you know what what we try to do is is we try to get rid of that stover and when we get rid of that stover with good bacteria okay that's you've got to use the proper uh, bacteria then that gives you a leg up on on your disease control i mean it's that's it's really that simple you know um it, it's just important that you get rid of that stover in the proper manner so that so that you can reduce disease. Kelly, you got an ex, you got an example or a, or an illustration of that? Have you seen that? Have you had any experience? I mean, you've only been using this for a couple of years, though, right? I have, but you know, we we know that the disease is overwinter, especially a winter like last year. It was very dry. The residue yeah. did not break down at all, and the the ability for those diseases last year to to stay in those stocks because it would have been a great environment for them. Nothing broke down. We didn't have a lot of weather things like that. You know, in 2014, we had northern corn leaf white bat, and then we were worried about it coming back the next year. You know, all the every disease overwinters in those corn stalks, and the ability to get it to break down will will help with that disease control. It's another return on investment from this product. All right, so yeah. there's going to be somebody listening out there that says, uh, "All right, what about corn on corn?" I I, I mean, I I'm going to go corn on corn, which. I was taught, maybe it's through my VOAG classes, maybe it's because I was a wannabe agronomist. You keep going corn on corn, you're inviting all kinds of problems. It's, it's a bad decision. But my friend Kelly Garrett out there in Western Iowa, he's doing corn on corn. Why? And then tell me about managing it because that's going to be a whole lot more residue to manage. So from a purely agronomic perspective, that's not the best decision. However, what's well, well, not the best decision? It's not the best decision to go corn on corn. Yeah. Financially, it is the best decision because of insurance. Right. 
So continuous corn became a concept, uh, my history tells me, in the 1950s. Uh, It's about the same time where they created the first soil banks to put put crappy ground aside. So then what people did is they said, I'm going to take my crappy ground, put it in soil bank, or as they call it, sand bank, because you put your sandy crappy ground in, and then you went over to your good ground, and you went corn after corn after corn, and just made all kinds of money. Because as we all know, there's never been a government program that farmers couldn't outsmart. So anyway, continuous corn became a thing like about 50 or 60, 70 years ago, and... uh, you still are doing it in some uh, applications because of the business. So go ahead. Yes. You know, we won't have corn on corn every year necessarily, but like this year with the futures market, the way it is, the way the federal crop market, the federal crop insurance, you know, works this year because of the income that we could insure as farmers, it was a, it was a no brainer of a decision. So we did that, but then we have to go and manage the rest of this. There, and there is a yield drag from corn on corn, and some of it is because of the potassium tie-up in those corn stalks. Some of it is because of the residue you're dealing with, just like in the soybeans. You know, and I will have to ask Daniel for this, but 200 bushel corn stalks ties up around 100 pounds of K, 100 pounds of potassium. And Concept AgriTech will tell you, and they, Trey has told me he can back up the numbers, they'll get about two-thirds of that K released back into the soil, which is going to reduce some of that yield penalty because we're going to get that K back into the soil and the, and the next crop can use it. And we're getting rid of that residue to help that crop come up. Okay. So we just talked about a bunch of stuff right there. Now the average listener to cutting the curve podcast here uh, uh, is, is, is smart and knows all this, but let's just say somebody's listening to this because they're like, Hey, I'm going to learn from these guys. They really are doing some progressive stuff. K of course is potassium. And you just said some big numbers there. If you produced a 200 bushel corn that that the residue that remains, meaning the corn stalks and the fodder, that there's a bunch of potassium tied up in that stalk. And now it's like, hell, I gotta, I'd gotta, i like to get that back and use it for the next crop. And so right. this product helps. Give me a little bit more on that, Daniel. Yeah, so, you know, that that stover contains, as, as Kelly said, that 200 bushel crop's gonna have about 100 pounds of K in it. Um, and and what we found is, is when when using good saprophytics or good digestion, I don't. I'm not used to people. I'm not used to people from Charleston, Missouri, using four syllable words. Say that again. <laughs> basically, basically, it's it's just digesters. Well, you, let's you say the word again, just for the fun. Saprophytics. Of it. Saprophytics. There you go. Sapro. So, so there, those are very predominant in rice country in, in the South, you know, so some of you guys have probably uh, anywhere you've had heavy muck soil, you go by there and it's been wet and it, and it stinks, you know, you can smell that soil, you can smell that decay going on. We call those the bad guys. That's really not what you want. You know, that is, that is actual nutrient potential that's turning into some form of gas that's gassing off okay basically that's what you're getting there we don't want that to happen you got to use the good guys you got to use proper bacteria to break that down to break this stover down we're talking about so that it goes into a good a good carbon source if you will that holds this nutrient that we're talking about. It's not just potassium that we're talking about. It holds nitrogen, phosphorus. You know, I've got some notes here. You know, uh, 
heck, almost 10 pounds of calcium is going to be in that in that 200 bushel corn crop. You know, calcium can be can can be very difficult to get back in the soil. You know, oh, yeah. and see a result. So, so uh, tell me about you know, your, that's what we uh, that's what we try to do. So Kelly, my wife, uh, you know, she's, she's into fitness. She went to the YMCA and signed up for a saprophytics class. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's CrossFit and there's uh, there's yoga and then there's saprophytics. <laughs> All right. So anyway, she's digesting something. <laughs> all right. So, um, tell me about your experience with the corn on corn. You know, in the old days, uh, you'd use tillage, um, and you don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. So tell me, that's the worst idea. It's that's right. Which is interesting because there's people that still just, uh, you know, some of these people they just love to till. They just they love to look out there and they love the smell and they like to look out there and see dirt getting turned. Um, your experience with doing uh, a biological like residue RX corn on corn uh noticeable how noticeable uh tell me what the experience is like i i really think that you know i don't have enough hard data yet but i really think that the economic return from using a product like residue rx and corn on corn could be more than it is in the soybeans because of the the evenness you need of that stand releasing that k you know right now a pound of k is probably worth you know, in today's market, maybe 40 cents a point. If they're releasing 65 pounds, that's uh, 24, 26 bucks an acre of free fertilizer, you know, and it, it's not really free. You've already paid for it, but that's free fertilizer to get put back into the soil. Yeah. Um, and the availability of that K coming from those corn stalks, rather than a commercial application, a lot more availability there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, economic returns here are are huge if, if done correctly. Yeah, we just talked about $14 an acre for the product cost. And if you just got $25 back on your uh, potassium uh, recovery, if you will, uh, we more than paid for it. What's the other benefit that I'm not thinking about here? Okay, we reduce population. We get better seed to soil contact. Uh, we're we're harvesting or, or uh, recovering some of the fertilizer out of the residue. But you know what? The person that does all the tillage is going to say, well, I get that also. I just go out there and I mold board plow that back in, or I go out to the chisel plow and I get it that way. Uh, they, they don't. They don't get that all back out because they're going to make that, they're going to make that residue rot too fast. And it's going to, it's going to burn up and go out with the gas like Daniel's talking number one. Number two, I would tell you, I, we really can't call it a nutrient or a fertilizer, but our most important element is carbon. Yes. And as a no-till farmer, I'm putting more carbon into the soil. If you're, if you're using tillage, you're letting carbon go. So you're letting go of your most important element. <clears throat> so a lot of people, you know, farmers are very visual, very mechanical creatures, and they can see that residue being dealt with, with that disc, with that plow, whatever you want to call it. But that is not, in my opinion, that is not the correct way to go about it because of the carbon you're releasing and the nutrients you're wasting. Daniel, yeah. follow up on that. Chip yeah, I, on that. Yeah, I, I agree with what Kelly's saying. You know, we've got farmers across the country that's been 10 or 12 years corn on corn. You know, when people, we tell people that and they're like, there's no way, that's, that's not possible. Well, well, it is possible. And it's all about making your soil healthy let that soil work for you that's that's what it's there for you know we take care of it we take care of the soil the soil's going to take care of us and a big part of this management is with the residue 
And, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, I've heard it time and time again. Well, I'll just spray two or three gallons of, of 28 out there. And that, that breaks that corn stover down and I'm, I'm good to go. I'm, I don't, I don't need to spend, I'm doing that for, you know, four or $5 an acre. Well, it goes right back to the same thing Kelly was just talking about with tillage and things like that. Yeah, it, it breaks it down and it, and, it, and it goes away, but you don't get that nutrient value and you sure don't get that carbon credit for it when you do that. Yeah, so really, and that's something that even, uh, you know, my, my farm boy sensibilities, I hadn't thought about the idea that there's a problem with breaking stuff down too quickly. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, all right, well, we're still accomplishing the same thing. We're getting rid of this. And you're saying that getting rid of that fodder too quickly then we don't get the benefit of the, the fertility. Is that what I'm hearing? That's yeah, right. in a nutshell, yeah. That's absolutely correct. All right, so this is a biological breakdown. Uh, how many acres did Residue RX go on? Uh, I don't know if you want to answer that question, but where's it go from here? If you, you Just tell me where you see this going. Daniel, I hear the corporate side, and then I want to hear it from the farmer side. Yeah, so, so for us, it's, you know, we're talking corn and soybeans, but from the corporate side, we're running this stuff on all kinds of, of crops. You know, um, we're seeing benefits, huge benefits and um, different things such as, as peanuts. You know, um, that breaks down really quickly, but it but this residue RX does a great job breaking that down. You know, um, I see as as carbon credits become a much bigger topic um, as fertility prices keep going up. This, this residue management is becoming a much larger piece of the puzzle for our farmers today. Yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right. And uh, obviously, we got people here at the cutting edge that are doing this. And uh, cutting edge and the Cutting the Curve podcast, uh, your perception of where this goes, Kelly? I'll spray residue RX on every acre of corn stocks I've got. It'll just become a, a practice, just like spraying your pre-plant chemicals because I want to reduce the soybean population. I want to improve the germination, the evenness of my corn, corn on corn crop. And it'll just, it'll just be one of those things that you have to go do. Uh, it's, it's not something extra. And, and, you know, we've been messing around with it now for a couple of years. Uh, we like the results. And uh, in 2022, it's just a, a planned practice. It's not something to even think about. Yeah, you're, you're saying that it's going to happen, period. And you're going to put it on all the corn stalk acres. you going to use it anywhere else? I, I won't. You know, the, the bean stubble is not an issue for us. I don't, because of our conservation, things like that, I don't mean the bean stubble doesn't cause us a problem. It's just those corn stalks. Okay, so it's going to go on the corn stalks. And do you ever see, do you ever see any other uh, integration of this, any other place in your farm that uh, you'll be using this? Wheat, you grow a little bit of wheat. We grow a little bit of wheat, but we bale that. We, we bale that, you know, because we want the wheat straw for the cattle operation. We used to bale corn stalks, the wheat straw is better. And then we turn right back around and plant wheat back out there as a cover crop. So there isn't anything there I need to break down. Um, this is a, this is a corn stock problem for me. Okay. And I think I found one of the answers. <clears throat> Daniel, where does this go for you, from your standpoint? Granted, I know you get paid by the company, but let's be honest here. Uh, you, answered, you answered me honestly before. You told me it wasn't pixie dust. Then you decided that maybe I was testing you a little too much. You started pulling out a bunch of made-up words that aren't words like saprophytics. Now, <laughs> now, where does this go? How many, is this going to be just like, you know, uh, is it going to be like one of those things 10 years from now? You're like, well, of course we spray a residue breakdown biological on here. My God, it would be so, so last century not to, is that, is it going to get to where everybody does this? Well, it's heading in that direction. I can tell you that, you know, we're seeing this, this practice is being adopted 
very, very widespread. You know, I'll be honest with you. I never thought that we would see this adopted in the deep south. You know, we stay warm enough. Our soils stay biologically active enough all through the winter months. You know, I really didn't think we would see it adopted down there. And we are. I mean, there's a lot of people starting to jump on this and they're really starting to see the benefits of of the good guys, if you will, the good bacteria going out there. And, you know, um, and, and for us, from from the corporate side, you know, sh- sugar cane, that's a huge world that we've stepped off in and it just keeps getting more traction and more traction. Um, the corn, the corn acres, man, it's it's really increasing and it's been a very good, uh, very good product for us. And it's 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 the farmers are happy. You know, I see this going up. It's we're going to keep going with it. So. Got it. Closing thoughts, Kelly, on residue management with biologicals. I think it's a must do practice, you know, with the corn yields going up, corn residue becoming tougher to break down, uh, a changing weather pattern or climate changing. We we've got to give mother nature a little help and residue RX is it. Got it. Uh, his name is Daniel Hensley. The farmer's name is Kelly Garrett. You probably know him. Thanks for being here. Somebody wants to check out your product at Concept Agritech. How do they find you? Yeah, conceptagritech.com. Uh, that'll get your web get us get you to our website, and then my email is on there, or it's just Daniel.hensley at conceptagritech.com. Concept Agritech, if I'm not mistaken, when I sent you an email, I think it's got a K instead of a CH at the end of it, doesn't it? That's correct. T-E-K. Concept Agritech, tech with a T-E-K. All right, man. Thanks for being here. Till next time, Kelly Garrett, Daniel Hensley. My name is Damian Mason. Again, if you give us about 30 minutes of your time, we're going to save you hours, weeks, days, months, years by shortening your learning curve. That's what we aim to do here at Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast. Till next time. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions. 